you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And today, my guest is Dr. John Lewis. He has some very interesting things that he's been, that he did, and where he's taken all of that now. And I'm going to ask him to introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about himself and what he's doing now. Hi, Susan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. It's nice to be here with you and your listeners. Well, I spent, uh, I'm a physiologist by training and uh, I've had a long interest in, I actually started out, if you can call exercise or sports as, you know, Mm -hmm. loosely a part of health, but a, earlier in my life, more interested in like performance as opposed to really strictly health and then shifted into health as I got older into my 20s. But then I sort of morphed more from the physical activity exercise side to nutrition, which is what I've really focused okay. on for most of my career. And I spent about 20 years full time at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine doing I was running clinical trials in nutrition, dietary supplements, exercise training, and worked a a very long time uh, really in the trenches of running these clinical trials, which is is definitely not for the weak of heart. I mean, if you you think you can only uh, work 40 hours a week and, you know, just kind of be sort of half uh, focused on what you're doing, you're not going to survive very long. But I got to a point about six years ago where... <clears throat> after making some discoveries and in, in some of the research that we conducted, plus just sort of doing a kind of a, an inventory of myself of what I wanted for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and and where I thought my life should go. I looked around at some of my colleagues and gosh, even some of them in their 80s, if you can believe that. I mean, people that had been doing, you know, that kind of work in academics for 50, 60 years. And I just thought, man, that's not me. I mean, it's so dependent on begging the government and foundations and even yes. individuals for funding. And I just, I, after 20 years, I'd had enough. So I left academics full time. I still have a voluntary appointment at the university, but I left, I left full time and, uh, and I really wanted to focus on my dietary supplement ideas and turning that into a business and taking some of these incredible discoveries we made to the, to the larger community. I felt like being in academics was a bit of a hindrance in terms of what I could do and what I could say. Whereas sure. opposed to being, you know, in business for myself, I felt like I could, um, I could really get to a larger audience eventually. Now that hasn't been a bowl of cherries either. I mean, being in business for myself yeah. is kind of like in a sine wave, you know, you're up and down, you have your peaks and your valleys, but uh, I have very good science. My products help people. And those are the two most important things compared to most dietary supplement companies out there. And I feel like I'm doing it the right way. I'm not trying to just be a slick marketer and all, with all due respect to people that really know marketing, I don't, I mean, I'm learning as I'm, as I'm going through this process, but it's not this, this foundation uh, of, you know, my mission or my purpose mm-hmm. is science-based and it always will be. So anything that I sell is what I take 
my family, you know, close friends, anyone who I know in my life, in my own circle, that I would mm-hmm. recommend to them. Um, so, you know, this is not anything about me saying or doing things that I'm telling the world and then meanwhile, I'm not doing for myself. So I exercise, you know, I'm, I'm, I exercise every day. I eat a certain uh-huh. way, I supplement. I do all these things that I talk about in in my work. And so I feel uh-huh. like, you know, being that kind of model for per, uh, for other people is very important. And, and that's what I... I think that type of credibility is is sorely needed, and especially in today's day and age of, you know, oh so God. many mixed messages in in the media. Uh, you know, people are constantly wondering, especially when it comes to things like weight loss. Of course, that's a that's a terrible area when it comes to, you know, so many people today who are either overweight or obese. It's just staggering, and uh, and people are obviously confused. So I want to I want to be the opposite of that in the sense of. Anything that anyone he- hears me say that I would recommend to people to help improve their health is is certainly what I'm doing for myself. So that to me is very important, having that level, level of credibility and trust uh, that people who get to know me understand and say, hey, yeah, that guy does, you know, what he says he does. So, uh-huh. and I spent, you know, that 20 year period, I published about a hundred and I think I'm close to about 190 peer reviewed articles in my wow. career lectured all over the world lectured all over the world i'm I'm hopefully uh releasing my first book sometime this year i after um many many years of you know talking to people about my work and saying well here i've got this article that we published on you know whatever and unfortunately most of the time that didn't really work too well and so i thought well how can i you know how i I put my thinking cap on i thought well how can i better connect to lay people basically what you know yeah. what resonates with lay people and and so typically yeah. it's a book I mean you know if you write a book you you have that level of connection with people that are not scientists uh-huh. or uh not yeah. health professionals so I've, I've been working on that for the last couple of years and I think hopefully in the uh-huh. next six or so months maybe by the end of the year I'll have that ready to be published as right. well so uh-huh. So again, it, you know, Susan, it's all about providing what I think is good information, credible mm-hmm. information, and and even more importantly, information that actually helps people. Because again, you know, whether you're talking about obesity, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, depression, I mean, they're just, as you know, mm-hmm. so many chronic diseases running rampant today, and they all have a base in lifestyle or behavior, which, you know, taking yeah. that one step further is all about what we stick in our mouths. Yes. And, Yes. And so it's, yes. it, it, we're just really at a, I think we're at a kind of at a crossroads where we really have to get people to understand, you know, the value of what you put in your mouth and how that ultimately leads to who you are every day and how you function mm. every day. And I just mm. think most people are, they don't get it, you know, they completely ignore all of that. And so that's part of what I do is, you know, helping people to understand the value of health, but also through some very specific recommendations related to some of the, the research that I've done, if, if you'd like to talk more about that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, and the other thing that comes to mind when you're talking about, you know, people taking things or not taking things or, or whatever, um, and I'm probably just as guilty of this as a lot of people, I take way too many supplements, Okay. way too many supplements. You know, I'll read about this. Oh, that's that. I need that. Oh, read about this. Oh, yeah, that's another, you know, and and my husband will find some and and it's like, 
you know, and then he'll stop and he'll look at me and go, we get too many of these. We've got way too many. And it's like, yeah, I know, I know, you know, and then there's things I used to take. I don't take those anymore, but I've got new ones that I'm taking, you know, it's, um, boy, it would, sh- it would, sh- I'll look forward to your book because it would be wonderful to have something where I just went to and said, okay, okay, here's the six things that I need to take. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. I don't, I don't know. Um, hmm, I don't know. Or at least to start with, to, how's that? <laughs> to start with. Well, right. Maybe, well, so maybe we're not taking too many. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, that's that's an interesting question. I, I think it's possible, you know, especially if you consider. I mean, you're obviously uh, more knowledgeable than the, than the average person, so I, mm. it kind of comes down to. And that's one thing that sometimes people will ask me. Well, you know, what should I be taking? Like, mm. what, what supplement, or you know, how should I eat, or or what do you think? is important uh-huh. to take every day. And yeah. especially when it comes to dietary supplements, I like to tell people that it's it's basically any other consumer decision you make, whether it's buying a car or deciding which neighborhood you want to live in or a watch or, you know, your lawnmower, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I mean, typically people make, you know, they, they do a little research and then they make a decision, whether it's maybe right. with consumer reports as, you know, something that's useful yeah. for advice or uh, some yeah. other source that they consumer use. lab. I like consumer lab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, you know, do your do your homework as well. I mean, look at companies that support their products with research. I think that's very important, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I'm doing with mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that the quality of the products is there. You know, make sure that they're buying ingredients from you know that are reputable that have been third party tested. I mean, there are definitely certain uh, thresholds that that companies can um, abide by that give confidence to consumers that you're buying something that is actually on the label that is mm-hmm. there and that it potentially can be helpful. So, but I think for me, like in the in the work that I've done with these polysaccharides, that hopefully we'll talk yeah. about, it's, it's yes, please for me. Um, you know, that's where I have such a, a really cool opportunity to help people understand that it's, it's something that's very unique. It's definitely not in a lot of other products. I mean, there are, there, I have a few competitors out there, but not many. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's an opportunity to teach people something. You know, psychologists talk about the teachable moment. Well, <clears throat> polysaccharides are definitely a teachable moment because almost everybody I encounter has never even thought of the value of polysaccharides. So Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm certainly happy to help you and your husband anytime you like. Yeah. To. yeah. No, no, I understand. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm, as you say, I'm probably more educated than a lot of people around it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, you One know, more. it's like the next, the next best, the next great thing. Right. Oh right. yeah. This is supposed to be great. You know? So, but yeah, we could, we could go down that road for a while, but I, I really, <laughs> I am interested to hear more about the polysaccharides and what you've found with that and, and how that has kind of turned your, what you're working on sure. around. So, <clears throat> Well, first of all, I, I want to acknowledge uh, two people that introduced me to the importance of these polysaccharides, one from aloe vera, Dr. Reg McDaniel, and the other one from rice bran, Miss Barbara Kimley. Both of these people completely opened my eyes. I mean, what I learned in graduate school in biochemistry about polysaccharides might have been a half a lecture. I mean, it was <laughs> hardly anything. Maybe, and huh? Maybe. maybe. Exactly. <laughs> maybe. 
And uh, the only thing that we really discussed about saccharides back in those days was that saccharides are a, uh, an energy source, which they still are, but there's so much more than that. But Susan, what, what really became apparent to me, and, and this is not just my own personal experience, but this is, you know, through Dr. McDaniel and Ms. Kimley and all these other people that I ended up getting involved with over the last nearly 20 years is that these polysaccharides, mm -hmm. especially from aloe vera and rice bran, I mean, we could talk about others that come from, say, mushrooms, you know, like reishi, maitake, those kinds of things, uh, ginkgo biloba, uh, mm -hmm. hemp, marijuana. I mean, there are a lot of plants mm -hmm. that have polysaccharides, but I've yet to, in my own experience, I've yet to encounter two that are so effective and so efficacious for human health than the ones that come from aloe vera and rice bran. So I could have initially started this by saying, well, sugars are good for you. But most people, I'm sure, who listen to your show, because of the way the mass media and even social media pre present sugar mm -hmm. as being like the, you know, the devil, basically. Like it's oh yeah, you know, one of those. Right. Yeah. You can't consume any sugar. Like that's oh no, that's horrible for you. That's to me, that is just, that's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's such terrible mm -hmm. advice because a sugar is not a sugar is not a sugar. A sugar, uh -huh. we Mother Nature provides us with many sugars, but it depends on the type of sugar and whether or not you mm -hmm. should be focused on that or not. And so if you're talking about something like high fructose corn syrup, I totally agree with you. You want to avoid that in your in your food. But if you're talking about these complex polysaccharides, that are found in aloe vera and rice bran, these are entirely different animals and they do some amazing things for ourselves. So really when you think of sugars, you know, whether you're talking about a, a simple sugar, like again, fructose or a disac mm. monosaccharide like fructose, a disaccharide like sucrose or a polysaccharide like mannose, for example, these are very, mm. very different molecules. And it really is all, it all comes down to their chains and their molecular structure, but that's a whole, you know, we won't go any farther than that. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, the other thing that I like to tell people is it doesn't matter to me if you eat a plant-based diet like I do, or if you're now into mm -hmm. you know, there's a big carnivore craze now, you know, people mm -hmm. eat meat, and of course, keto, it has its big place, paleo, it has yeah. its place, uh, Mediterranean zone, Atkins, I mean, South Beach, you know, just so many different Weight Watchers. Whatever yep. it is that, you know, you think of as being your preferred diet style, you're not getting these polysaccharides, certainly not from aloe vera. I know no one who eats aloe vera. You might be getting a little bit if you eat brown rice every day, but even then yeah. you're probably getting yeah. not a therapeutic amount. And of course, most, well, of, the world, most of the world. And look, let me just also, uh, number one, ask if you can tell people what aloe vera is. Sure. Because they probably aren't familiar with that brown rice. I'm sure they they are. But um, and um, oh, I was just going to have say one other thing, and now I can't remember what it was. It'll come back to me. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit more about um, sure. about what those are, or or unless that was further along in your no in no your conversation. Okay. No, that's yeah. fine. I was just going to say that you know just to finish that last point. Mm -hmm. Most of yeah. the world refers to white rice, and so when rice is milled. The, the bran is stripped off, and most of the time, the bran ends up getting fed to livestock. So actually, the animals, you know, cows, pigs, chickens, whatever, they're, yeah. they're eating the rice bran, which is the, the, the best part of rice that Mother Nature yeah. provides to us. And then meanwhile, they're eating the white rice, which is, you know, just very simple sugar that doesn't really have 
much more nutrition mm-hmm. value than that. But the aloe vera, you know, aloe vera has been used by humans for thousands of years, uh, mm-hmm. basically since recorded history. But mm-hmm. most people think of use the use of aloe vera just for a sunburn or a cut or a wound, you know, right. something topically. But that yep. gel is that gel is ninety nine percent water. So <clears throat> to get the polysaccharides from the aloe vera gel, you really mm-hmm. need to strip all of that water out of it. And then what you're left with is, with is the polysaccharides or anthraquinones. I mean, there's certainly other okay. nutrients, a lot of nutrients in there. But uh-huh. the, the polysaccharides, the ACE man or the mannose, that that is really the polysaccharide uh-huh. that is just so amazing for human health. So people sometimes will ask me, well, John, can I just drink aloe vera juice? And I'm like, well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if you're right. expecting that aloe vera juice to what we showed in our research, you, you're wasting your time and your money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of a, well, yeah, you can drink anything you want, but it right. depends on what you're trying to get. Exactly. You're just in the juice, you're going to get a tiny, tiny amount of the polysaccharide. It's, you're wasting your money and time if you think it's going to show mm. the same thing that we did in our in our work with the concentrated polysaccharide source. Now, the polysaccharides don't really require you to take a lot. I mean, we're only talking about at most a couple of grams per day. I mean, we're not even talking about having, you know, it's not like you have to eat a whole meal of these aloe polysaccharides or the rice polysaccharides. It's not anything like that. It, but uh-huh. that also is indicative of how effective these things are, that you can take these concentrated minimal amounts and then have such dramatic effects on the body. But um, but yeah, aloe vera and rice bran, I would put up pretty much against any other two plants in the in the plant kingdom in terms wow. of their impact on human health. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I've always known that brown rice has a lot more nutrients, period, than white rice. White rice right. is it's like eating white bread. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, white flour is may taste good in some certain things, but it certainly doesn't isn't giving you anything other than maybe some things you don't need, but right. um, yeah, interesting. So are, are you, sorry, I'm trying to thinking in five different directions here. Okay. Um, <laughs> the um, With the aloe vera, I'm assuming it's one of the basic, that and the brown rice are the kind of some of the basic building blocks in your, yes, in your supplements. And, and yes. is there some kind of a diet or something that you, that you recommend, not necessarily the vegetarian versus the non-vegetarian or anything like that, but, but you know, that you have certain things in your diet. Well, our research wasn't really, I mean, in terms of like what we showed with the polysaccharides, we, we mm-hmm. were very strict in terms of just providing the supplement to whatever the okay. test was. If it was, you know, uh-huh. someone with Alzheimer's, someone with MS, someone with HIV, uh, non-alcoholic okay. fatty liver disease, those were the primary mm-hmm. areas that we studied. Uh-huh. But okay. when we when we were running these clinical trials, we didn't mess with people's medications, diet, mm, exercise, mm-hmm. yeah. movement. We really didn't right. because you know if you if you manipulate too many variables at the same time, yes. then you don't know what happened because it's yes, hard. Well, you to, don't know which one. That's right because you don't know then which one is having the the real or, or true effect if there is such an effect. So yeah. yeah, in our work, whether we were looking at nutrition or supplementation or exercise, we pretty much only stuck to one at at one time. We didn't look at like, you know, multiple interventions going on at the same time. But 
in general, if you were asking me about diet, I mean, obviously someone eating, this is my 26th year of eating a plant-based diet. I would recommend, you know, eating as many colors as you can. I mean, usually that's the simplest way to get people to understand uh, yeah. variety in the diet. So, you know, pick and choose as many different colors, your red, your green, your purple, your yellow, your orange, you know, all the different colors. And then that way, uh -huh. you know, that you're getting a wide variety of different nutrients and phytonutrients. And I think, you know, that pretty well covers it for most people. I mean, certainly we could get more specific than that, but I think using the, the color scheme approach and just picking different colors. And then of course, you know, limiting as much processing you can as, you know, for mm. the most part, I mean, certainly that, that plays a role as well. The more something is processed, you know, it's like the old right. uh, example of, you know, using a baked potato versus a, a potato chip and, you know, what happened in between. <laughs> so, you know, depending yeah. on what yeah. you, yeah. Um, you're you looking for, I mean, it could make a, a huge difference in terms of the nutrition that you end up getting from that food, depending on the the form that you're eating the food in. Yeah. Well, and, and overcooking that, right. I don't think it's as bad now. Right. But it certainly was when I was growing up, you know, bushy vegetables. That's why nobody ever ate them mm -hmm. or wanted to eat them because they taste as bad as the, <laughs> as what you're getting. Sure. Hmm. Um, so I've read, and you can tell me if, if this is, incorrect or correct that it is better with a with a lot of vegetables just to kind of very slightly cook them it makes the nutrients and everything in there more accessible than eating it when it's raw is that so it, correct dep it depends on the food right i mean like tomatoes uh -huh. for example tomatoes their lycopene is more bioavailable if they're stewed or cooked as opposed okay. to raw tomatoes. Okay. Uh, and of course, you know, we're talking about beans, uh, we mentioned rice, potatoes, you know, these are things that have lectins when they're raw. So right. it potentially be very toxic if you try to eat a raw bean. So you want to yeah. cook those so the lectins get broken down and then they're no longer mm -hmm. an issue for digestion. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but certainly there are examples of things that, yes, I, th I think even like steaming broccoli, the mm -hmm. uh, the indoles are more uh, more bioavailable if you steam yep. it as opposed yep. to eating the broccoli raw. So yeah, there are definitely examples of comparing the different nutrients and certain key phytonutrients depending on if you're eating the food raw versus cooked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to your point about overcooking, of course, you can definitely increase the carcinogenic material of especially meats. You know, if you cook mm -hmm. meat like yeah. grilling grilling meat is a bad thing to do. I mean, if you're going to eat meat, like don't grill it. That's the absolute worst way to eat your meat because you're turning the fats into very carcinogenic material. Oh, so yeah. it's kind no, of like sense. eating grilled meat is kind of like the equivalent of smoking cigarettes. You're getting all these carcinogens ah, in the grilled okay. meat as opposed to, um, you know, baking it or some kind of a cook uh, cooking method that doesn't uh, require such high heat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't um we don't do a lot of meat. I eat cheese, but I only do goat. I can't do cows. Okay. I can't eat things that come from cows. Mm -hmm. Too much of an allergic reaction to them. Oh yeah. Well we could do a whole show just on uh <laughs> breast fluid from cows. I mean that's I've given I've given quite a few lectures over the years about dairy and the problems associated with dairy for human beings. It's really it's mm -hmm. tragic what what people are doing to themselves with dairy it's it's really not it's not yeah. intended for humans 
Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, yeah, I do. I, I do goat cheese, which mm -hmm. is a little more accessible right? than the cow stuff. But um, yeah, it's um, hmm. yeah. And it's interesting because what just came to mind, which is on, not exactly a totally different subject, but um, it's interesting how there's a lot of like pork, but you don't see any pork or pig dairy kinds Never of products. Dairy. It's no. all meat. It only just, I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been eating it for a long time and it never <laughs> occurred to me that there's that there's no cheese there's no interest yeah right huh I wonder if they oh well nothing sorry I'm going down a different That's rabbit it. hole um <laughs> <laughs> so okay so tell me a little bit more about polysaccharides how you work with them and and put them into your supplements and and how you know how it's recommended to to take them and and um, with you know what people can expect to have that help with. Sure. Well, let me, if I may, I'll just I'll mm -hmm. uh, summarize a little bit of the research that we conducted to kind of Great. establish the base, and then that way people mm -hmm. will have a better idea of what it is that I'm referring to. But good, we ran as I mentioned, several clinical trials, the, the two in Alzheimer's and MS were really the, the foundation for the aloe vera. The, the ones in uh, HIV, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and then another study in healthy people, those were more on the rice bran side. But nonetheless, they, they showed consistent effects over time. So I don't know if you've had any family member affected with Alzheimer's disease. I, I grew up very lucky. I mean, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, my dad, they all died of other, basically everything but dementia or Alzheimer's. So I wasn't personally yeah, affected yeah. with it in my family, but man, after running that study, wow. I mean, what a horrible disease it is. It's just, you know, to lose your mind. I mean, to still be here yeah. physically, but then yeah. lose your Oh, mind. yeah. What a no, horrible that's it. Yeah. My father had oh. Parkinson's. Okay. As did he have the cognitive issues yeah. along with it, or he did, yeah, 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 and the um and again, ten kids in the family, four of them I think got Parkinson's. Oh wow, which is kind of un but, unusual, I think. Yeah, well, it's so it's right there with Alzheimer's and MS as being the three leading neurodegenerative yes. disorders, as you know, and so. We we chose to run this trial. We got we actually just it was only because of the generosity of a family who had lost four members to Alzheimer's. They they happened to see my colleague Dr. McDaniel that I mentioned um, giving a mm -hmm. lecture, and they were really encouraged by what he was doing with people with Alzheimer's uh -huh. and Parkinson's. And so they developed a the wife developed a relationship with him, and then she said, you know, after getting to know him, and then yeah. she and her husband decided, hey, we've got some extra money we'd like to do, do, donate to science. Wow. And uh, we were very encouraged by what you, you know, talking about with nutrition. We'd like to help uh -huh. you in this work. But yeah. our only requirement is that you, um, you know, you do a study in Alzheimer's. So, okay. so that's how we got okay. the money. That makes to, sense. Mm -hmm, that's how we got the money to run the study. Well, anyway, we, we ran this trial in people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's, which is really the worst. I mean, you know, they're they're the people that big pharma they're not interested in in them because they're too far gone, basically. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you you know, you can't turn on the news like every week or two, you'll hear some article about 
either something going on at FDA or, you know, somebody else in a lab somewhere trying to come up with something for dementia. It's just practically impossible when you think of yeah. it's now the sixth leading killer of Americans. Uh, yeah. There's no, I mean, you can't even find consensus on what actually causes the disease. No, no. No one even re- exactly knows what really causes it because when when you're thinking, well, maybe it's the amyloid beta or the tau or the plaques or the tangles, but yet there are many people who have all those features, but they That's don't have right, to. Right. Then, there, then there's another group of people who have the disease, but they don't have any of those features. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah. no. Yeah. There's no there's cause no and effect kind of no. relationship going on. Yeah. No. There's no. There's no true consensus to this disease. So yeah. it's, it's truly a mystery. And and again, that's why Big Pharma, I think, has chosen not to focus on it over these last few years. But anyway, the uh, the study, mm-hmm. we looked at people over a 12-month period. We mm-hmm. drew their blood at baseline in 12 months because we didn't have the budget to draw, uh, draw the blood every quarter, but we did the neurocognitive assessment every three months. So baseline, three, six, nine, and 12 months. And Susan, I mean, we ended up discovering some things that just completely blew us away. And oh, by the uh-huh. way, the, the psychiatrist and the other staff that we were working with, they were very skeptical because all they did was pharma studies. They didn't do nutrition. Uh-huh. And they thought, well, you know, you guys have some money. We've got a lot of patients. We don't think your product's going to do anything, but we'll help you. I mean, that literally yeah. they told us that. Like, yeah. we don't think nutrition's going to do anything yeah. here. If it works, great. Right. right. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, we, uh, you know, we start the study. We get everything approved. We get everything up and running. We get the first few people enrolled, and then over that first three or so month period, and these were people that were coming, they were either already living at the facility, it was a facility that had an outpatient center, and then it uh-huh. had inpatient for either people that needed nursing home care or like an assisted living facility. So it's a pretty big center that that caters to elderly people and especially for uh, dementia and Alzheimer's patients. And so you know, the people were there, they either lived there or they were coming there every day for like the daycare socialization. So these were people that, you know, were very familiar with um, the staff and vice versa. And so as we start the study, we started enrolling people on the product within the first three months or so after we've got like the first, say, four, five, six people enrolled, I start getting phone calls from uh, caregivers. I start getting these kinds of messages of, oh, hey, Dr. Lewis, like my wife or my grandmother, you know, whatever the relationship was, is now doing things that she hasn't done in some cases in years, like tears of joy. Oh. You know, these people are yeah. calling me crying like babies. Yeah. Um, tears of joy of, you know, how their loved one is responding. Now, I'm, and then I'm starting to get calls from the staff, like this previously very skeptical staff is now calling me telling me very much the same thing. Like, wow, I can't believe what Mrs. So-and-so is now doing like, or what Mr. Yeah. So-and-so is now doing like, you know, yeah. he or she has never done this ever. Like, and so anyway, I, you know, I'm, and of course at this point I'm, I'm feeling optimistic and, you know, it's making me feel good. So it takes us probably a couple of years, two and a half or so to run the study. And then at the end, you know, you compile all your data, you, you enter it, you clean it, you double check it, et cetera. And I, I'm getting, the analyses going and then sure enough i'm thinking okay well you know we've had all of these anecdotal responses so let's see what the data actually show it's one thing to get nice anecdotes but you know as a scientist you you have to have you you can only rely on what the data tell you mm-hmm. 
So I start running the data and I wanted to look at cognition first, because obviously for us, that was the most important thing to see. Did the cognition actually improve in the in response to taking the supplement? And remember, we didn't we didn't change their diet. Uh, we didn't change the medication. We didn't exercise them. Right. We didn't where they anything. were living, any of that Nothing. kind of stuff. Yep. Nothing. We didn't change any of that. All we did was introduce the supplement into their diet. And oh, by the way, too, the caregivers were some of the most motivated people you've ever met in your life because these people were literally desperate to try to find something that would help their loved one. You know, like, because basically when you look at the five FDA approved drugs for dementia, they don't do anything. I mean, if you're lucky, you know, they might delay decline for a few months, but then after that, you just keep falling off the cliff. Somebody's making money on it. That's the only reason it's out there. That's right. Exactly. And, and so these folks, I mean, you want to talk about a more motivated group of people. I don't think you could find one. I mean, they're truly motivated to find something to help their loved ones. So, so anyway, I start running the data and sure enough at nine and 12 months, we have clinically and statistically significant improvements in cognitive function. Wow. I mean, Susan, that just blew us away. So over that 12 month period, clinically and statistically significant. Yeah, that's amazing. Which, you know, sometimes you can show something statistically significant, but yeah. it, it's irrelevant. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah, matter. That's right. It doesn't mean anything. Yes. So yes, exactly. that was like, you know, that was one of those moments in my life where I wanted to like, you know, run, strip off all of my clothes and run around the neighborhood, yeah. you know, screaming hallelujah. I mean, it was like, you know, this... <laughs> This instant, you wanted to call and tell everybody you knew, right? Yeah, like this, you know, this instant euphoria of what we had just discovered. Yeah. I mean, it was just so uh, rewarding. But but in addition to that, we showed um, reductions in inflammation according to two markers called TNF-alpha and VEGF, which mm-hmm. are classically looked at in heart disease and cancer. We probably, our article was, and this was, this first article was published in 2013. So it's unfortunately wow. been... 10 years ago that this all this work was done, or at least the article. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah. TNF-alpha, again, and VEGF, they're, they're, they are proteins that our body produces in response typically to, to too much inflammation chronically. And that's okay. where with dysregulated inflammation, you get into trouble with either dementia or cancer or heart disease. Mm-hmm. But again, that was a really nice finding. We also showed an improvement in the CD4 to CD8 ratio, which is a global marker of immune function. And that's not just important for people with dementia or Alzheimer's, that's important for all of us. So we want Everybody, that yeah. to be as high as possible. And so we showed an improvement there. We showed an improvement in adult stem cell production of just under 300% from wow. baseline to 12 months according to CD14 cells. So again, that's that was very, uh, very, very impressive finding. And oh, by the way, I didn't mention that the average age of the people in our study was 79.9 years of age. Oh my God, wow. Yeah. So these were not only people that were really sick, but they were a fairly advanced age group as well. Mm-hmm. So, And they didn't just have Alzheimer's, they had diabetes, depression, heart disease. I mean, these were very, very sick and impaired people. So imagine, okay. you know, we think of, stem cell treatment or stem cell therapy is being right. a big deal today. And it can be, you know, and I, I think there is some effort, uh, efficacy to, you mm-hmm. know, certain things re- mostly related to joint issues. I mean, I think, I don't know yeah. if it's ever going to truly be what we think it is related to say replacing organs or, you know, replacing mm-hmm. yeah. teeth or any of those sorts of things. But, 
But nonetheless, to be able to turn on the body's own stem cell making process, especially at an advanced age, that was also very um, very important finding to us. And then in two subsequent analyses, we looked at brain-derived neurotropic factor, which also Uh is important for like memory. Oh my uh, God, that's huge these days. Yeah. And we also showed some relationships there. We published two other papers with BDNF. And then actually just a couple of weeks ago, I submitted for publication a fourth article from this study looking at what is referred to as the TH1 to TH2 ratio in immune function within these people, which has never been documented before in people with Alzheimer's. Wow. So, uh, wow. that, that paper hopefully will be published in the next few months. I don't really want to talk too much about it yet, just because yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still in progress. But, but I understand. Susan, the bottom line is, I mean, we just showed some amazing things for the very first time in people with Alzheimer's that, you know, even the staff, the this previously very skeptical skeptical staff had to admit that these polysaccharides were doing something that, you know, they had never seen before. I mean, the, the neuropsychologist, she had worked there for 15 years. She did all the neuropsych testing on these folks. And she said, Every study she had worked on to date was a drug study prior to ours. And every drug study showed basically nothing. Like it didn't show any improvement in whatever they were looking at. Our study was the only study where she said, even for the subjects where the test was not sensitive enough to detect improvement, she could still tell that the person was getting better. Wow. Wow. in her opinion, 100% of the subjects in our study actually got better, even if the test was not sensitive enough to detect the improvement. Yeah. So this was the kind of response that we got about this on, from this study. And as you can imagine, I mean, we published that first paper in 2013. I was on cloud nine. I still hadn't made the decision to leave academics. But uh-huh. what really kind of, as, as a little tangent, what really kind of put me over the top of leaving academics besides you know, what I mentioned previously about, you know, this mm. grinding, grueling uh, life of, yes. of fundraising was that I tried yeah, twice, yeah. with, twice with NIH and mm-hmm. twice with the Alzheimer's Association. I submitted proposals to say, look at what we're doing here. Here mm-hmm. is not just an idea, but here's an idea with data. Mm-hmm. And you know what I got response all four times? Either Great. it's not true or nothing. Yeah, right. I was going to say one got, or the other. Right? I got I got crickets. I got zero in response. It's not not surprising. That's not surprising. It was so it was so dejecting to me that that I was presenting an opportunity for you know these so called public health experts. Yes. Yes. You know, Hello. Sitting in their ivory tower to say, "Hey, look at this guy Lewis and these people at the University of Miami. Let's give them more money to extend yeah. this line of research." And nothing. I got nothing. So, <clears throat> for the last ten years, doesn't, that has doesn't been surprise me. Yeah, I know. Well, it doesn't now me either. But for the last ten years, this this for me, this has been a very significant, um, I guess, mm-hmm. frustration in my life that I couldn't get more funding to extend this very exciting research for people with such a tragic disease that still, I mean, if you, if you look at our first paper, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you compare, I mean, you don't take my word for it, compare it to, yeah. again, the five FDA approved drugs for dementia, any other nutritional, oh, uh, yeah. hyperbaric oxygen, acupuncture, music therapy, sound therapy, 
light therapy, whatever, compared to anything else out there, no one has showed what we Mm -hmm. showed in response to improving what we refer to as improving Mm -hmm. nutritional status with these polysaccharides. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is way more powerful than treating disease with a drug, right? I mean, oh my God, yeah. Nutrition works so differently from the pharmacological paradigm. Oh, yeah. And better, probably 99.9% of the time. It's something your body recognizes. That's right. So, but, you know, I always want to make that clear to people that, you know, that we're bound by FTC and FDA to make sure that we don't talk about nutrition as something that treats disease, but it's very easy to, to, to get people to, to realize the difference when you say pharmacology treats disease, nutrition provides the raw materials that our cells need to function properly, totally different paradigms. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're doing on time. I don't want to just keep going. Well, we're probably, we've probably been doing this for a while now because it's almost the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you want me to, excuse me, if you want me to, you know, kind of cut it short from there, that's okay. Cause really the, the Alzheimer's study most, I think that's the major. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that that's fine. I guess my question, and we can always do this offline, and then everybody else can just come and ask me what it what it is that you told me. Um, right. But I'm I'm curious about okay, so Alzheimer's. There's a lot of other brain, like we were talking about Parkinson's and some of the other, and and even just um, you know, and I'll put myself out there right now, right, which is that drives me and my husband crazy in that I, you know, recalling names of things or other memory stuff is just like, you know, it takes me a while Mm -hmm. to think, to find them, (laughs) you know, so, so do, would the polysaccharides be helping that as well? Do you think, or, or, I mean, is it worth something that's worth trying or, I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for a, 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 here we go, a prescription. Right, right. Well, but I'm just curious, you know, are are you going to start now looking at other, let's put it that way, looking at other brain related issues? Well, let's put it this way. So going back to what I said about what we looked at in the Alzheimer's study, uh-huh. so we tested cognition, which mm-hmm. is, is an all encompassing overlapping mm-hmm. term for okay. not just memory. A lot of times people use memory with being synonymous with cognition. Memory is just one aspect of cognition. But to your point about recall, so you Mm -hmm. have recall, you have processing speed, executive functioning, spatial awareness, time awareness, Mm -hmm. long-term memory, short-term memory. There are many different things that fall under this umbrella term of cognition. So Mm -hmm. we we actually looked at all that. So all of those things Uh related to cognition that, to your point, like recall, I mean, I've had people with, you know, for example, brain fog, people with, again, what there you're describing, you, That's me. you know, yeah. this, this issue with uh, recalling names, places, yeah. events, things, those kinds yeah. of things. I mean, across the board, you know, again, whatever, maybe little uh-huh. bucket that you fall into, right. no question, the, uh, I mean, and I didn't even mention the. So when I left academics and, you know, eventually got into this idea Mm -hmm. of a dietary supplement company, we now Mm -hmm. refer to this product as daily brain care, which is under my company, Dr. Lewis Nutrition. So I didn't even mention that yet. But yes, I mean, if you look at, you go to our website, look at some of the product Mm -hmm. reviews, look at some of the testimonial videos, you will see people describing 
lots of different things and actually not just mm-hmm. things related to the brain. I mean, there are other things related to the right. joints, gut function. Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so, and again, as you know, as I as I think I mentioned to you once before, the mm-hmm. brain is just really the area that we started to focus on initially because mm-hmm. of the work mm-hmm. that we did at the university, university of Miami combined with the need for people right. that have something brain related, but yes. the reality yes. is the reality is, is the polysaccharides work on all 30 plus trillion cells in our body. So wow. regardless okay. of, you know, your current health status, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, as I mentioned, despite whatever type yeah. of eating style you prefer, you're not getting these polysaccharides in your diet. So that's where I think these polysaccharides. At least not enough of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can make a big difference for, for anyone. I mean, I've been taking my own product for 10 years, you know, like, again, I, as right. I mentioned, and you I'm, know how to eat. So, you know, it's just exactly. that extra bump. That's yeah. right. I mean, to me, I don't think that you can, and there's no such thing as like either overdosing or mm-hmm. becoming like a hypo responsive situation mm-hmm. where your body creates like a, almost a, you know, a threshold or a tolerance where yeah. you don't don't need them anymore. There's no such thing as that yeah. either. I mean, these polysaccharides are just like oxygen or water or vitamins or minerals. Okay. You need them every day. So, okay. so okay. absolutely. They're no, very that's important. great. But, yeah. But I, yeah. I would encourage anybody to go to our website, drlewisnutrition.com yes. and, uh, you know, read more information. Yeah. If anyone yeah. has questions, they can contact me there. Okay. We have okay. uh, social media channels as well on Instagram, oh. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, we're expanding our social media presence, although that's not, not where we want it to be yet. But, you know, we're hopefully we'll eventually get there. But, yeah, you know, I'm very much the kind of person who knows his limitations. Like I can create content all day long. I can have these kinds of conversations with folks like yourself. Yeah. But then I need help with people that have the technical knowledge of, you know, mm-hmm. how to get the information out to people and then, right. you know, helping to to create, uh, you know, an awareness through all this yeah. information. So, yeah, yeah, that's no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's, um, let's go ahead and wrap up here. I will put all your relevant information in the show notes as well. Not, okay. although I've, I've never been sure that anybody actually looks at the show notes, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion, right? They listen, right. but you know, they're off doing other things when they're listening. Right. So looking at the show notes. Eh. Right. So um, anyways. Okay. And I will say in wrapping up that, um, which I have to say, which is that neither of us are doctors in that, in the medical, medical, giving right. medical um, advice, and they shouldn't be seeing this as medical advice. There's a lot of information out there that they can that they can go and, and get to, to um, give them some more information. And I will see everybody next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.